We are indeed thankful that you are here. I want to bring you up on uh, up to date on something, uh, some a couple of prayer requests that has been given to me today. Uh, first of all, I wanted to mention to you that Thelma Beavis um, is is not doing well. This is the mother of Wanda White and Aaron Beavis, uh, and I talked to Aaron this morning, and uh, uh, she's just she's really really low and not doing well. And so we want to pray uh, for her. And also, Miss um, Ann Strickland called. This this afternoon, and her nephew, Josh Wilkerson, uh, is about 24 years old. He was killed in a car accident today, uh, and so uh, we want to remember uh, remember that family as well. So uh, before we go any further tonight, let us bow in prayer for these two families. Holy Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity that you have given us today uh, to be here, to have the opportunity to worship you. Uh, both this morning and, and this, op- this opportunity tonight. We thank you for the opportunity tonight, Father, to study your word. And we ask that you'll bless our time together tonight. Father, we want to offer up to you a couple of families that, uh, Father, are struggling. And Father, we ask that you will be with the Beavis family, especially Miss Thelma. Uh, Father, she is uh, struggling as her health is failing her and she is not doing well at all. And Father, we uh, just pray that you will be with her. Uh, We pray for peace and comfort. Uh, Father, we pray for Aaron and Wanda and their families. And Father, we just ask that you'll bless them during this time. Father, we also pray for um, uh, the Josh Wilkerson family and their tragic loss this afternoon. Father, it's never easy to, to lose loved ones. And Father, we pray that you will surround this family, that you will be with this family, that you will strengthen this family. And Father, uh, I pray that you will help this family to turn to you during this difficult time. Father, we thank you for the avenue of prayer. Father, we thank you for uh, the men that are here uh, tonight from Teen Challenge, and we ask your blessings on them. Father, we just ask that you will be with each of us, Father, as we strive to live for you. Father, forgive us when we fail you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Again, I want to express my appreciation to these men up here. Uh, over the last three months, uh, Brother Bill has had the opportunity to be with these guys uh, on a more regular bra- basis. But on the, in the past three months, uh, we'll have another opportunity coming up in December uh, to serve these guys a home-cooked meal in December. And so I've, I've enjoyed the opportunity to get to know these guys and to hear their stories. And I just want to ask you, uh, personally, ind- individually, as we do as a congregation as well, I want you to pray for these guys. Uh, they have uh, some fascinating stories. Uh, they've been down some dark roads. And I'm thankful that uh, through this program that they are spending a lot of time in God's Word and they're finding Jesus and making Him a part of their life. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I just want to encourage these men uh, to keep on. Uh, keep on seeking God in Scripture and keep on making Him a part of your life uh, because that's why we come and do what we do uh, is because that's the only way that we can make it in life is planning for that uh, eternal home. And so thank you guys uh, for being here tonight. We do want you to know you're always welcome. Uh, when you finish this program, uh, you're always welcome here. And we'll tell you, I, I just want to say on behalf of our congregation, uh, don't come here looking for perfect people uh, because you look out, you, there's good people, but we're not perfect and we're struggling. And we're on a journey as well 
to strengthen our relationship with the Lord. So thank you so much for being here tonight. One thing that we do on Sunday evenings is uh, uh, not the traditional uh, sermon type, or, or at least I'm not going to preach to you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. At least I try not to. Uh, we try to open up the Bible and study uh, different words. At least that's what we're doing this year. Study different words uh, from God's Word. So I hope that you have your Bibles tonight. If you do that, go ahead and be turning to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6. We think about this word propitiation. And Bradley's already alluded to that. Uh, not a common word that we use in our everyday language, is it? Uh, in fact, we might ask questions like, um, uh, what's this word for? What does it mean? Uh, what is it used for? Uh, I've never heard of it outside of Bible class or sermon or things like that. What, is, what does the word mean in, in Scripture? Where is it found in Scripture? And what does it mean to you and to me? Uh, I want you to notice, I, I tried to put uh, most of the definitions or Scripture references on the screen. And I want you to notice what Strong's uh, Exhaustive Concordance says about this word propitiation. Uh, it suggests that there's a connection between this word propitiation and the mercy seat that, of God that we find back in the Old Testament. Uh, back in the temple and in the tabernacle on the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, Strong says it is relating to an appeasing uh, or to extinguish the guilt incurred by. Uh, he goes on to say it's used uh, of the cover of the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. You remember that uh, back in Old Testament Scripture. Which was sprinkled with the blood uh, of the expiratory, expiratory victim on the annual Day of Atonement. This rite signifying that the life of the people, the loss of which they had merited by their sins, was offered to God in the blood as the life of the victim. And that God by this ceremony was appeased and their sins extinguished. And that's what the blood of Jesus Christ does for the New Testament Christian. It makes amends for God's anger because of my sins. Someone has said this about propitiation and atonement. There's a connection there. It says atonement might be spelled at one mint. Uh, to get an idea of its meaning, he says, it carries the emphasis of our being one with God again. It is one of those great Bible wor words for the heavenly fellowship we can enjoy with our Father in heaven. Uh, there's a story about a faithful Christian who had this dream uh, about Satan unrolling this large scroll. And on that scroll was a list of every sin that the man had committed. There was a sparkle in the old devil's eye. Thinking he had just won another soul. He had just added another soul to his repertoire. There was one thing you have not written in this scroll, the man said. And what might that be, the devil asked. The man quoted from 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And when he finished saying that, now all those sins on that scroll had vanished. The devil rolled it up and walked away. Our English dictionaries, similar to that that Strong says, 
tells us that propitiation has to do with something, uh, with appeasing the feelings of another. God's wrath is because of our sin. God is angry at sin. And to cover that, we needed a propitiation. We needed something to appease the anger of God because of our sins. And that's in Jesus Christ. The word, of his, the word itself is only found four times in the Bible. Uh, all those are in the New Testament. Now when you add a couple of other Greek words uh, that are similar to it, uh, that bumps that number up in the Greek New Testament to six. Notice some of those. Luke chapter 18 and verse 13. A sinner prays to God to be merciful. God be merciful. You remember that story of the, uh, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector. They both went up to the temple to pray. You remember the difference in the Pharisee? Oh, look how good I am. We've talked about that before here. But you remember that tax collector? He beat on his chest and he said, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. The, that tax collector, he understood this word, propitiation. He understood the idea of God extinguishing our sins. Romans chapter 3 and verse 25, and we'll look at this several times. Jesus is the propitiation provided by God's grace. Also, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. Jesus makes propitiation as a merciful high priest. Now, the Bible tells us that, uh, that Jesus is our high priest. Hebrews chapter 9, we'll look at this in just a few moments. Uh, 9 and verse 5, we see the mercy seat. And that's very similar to that above the Ark of the Covenant. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. Jesus is the propitiation for the sins of all mankind. And then 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. Jesus again is the propitiation for our sins. Jesus is the one that makes amends, appeases God because of His anger toward our sin. And we can see that these terms refer to the idea of gaining favor. Through Jesus Christ, we gain the favor of a merciful God despite our sins. Now I want you to notice in the Septuagint. This is the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Uh, some of these, some form of these terms is repeatedly used as a reference to God's mercy seat. They're all through the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and First Chronicles. But we want to notice a few, about six again, that also correlates uh, just like those words from the New Testament. For example. Leviticus chapter 25 verse 9 refers to the day of atonement that is set aside by God. A very similar word to that of propitiation in the New Testament. That idea of atonement and mercy. Numbers chapter 5 and verse 8. Uh, a couple of Greek word, or, or words there used to refer to the making of atonement with God. Now you think about that. Isn't that pretty cool? That through Jesus Christ, a sinner, through the blood of Jesus Christ, can have those sins atoned for to Almighty God. Psalm 130 and verse 4, it's used for uh, the forgiveness that is with the Lord. In Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse 27, 
It is the sin offering offered to God. In Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 9, it is translated forgiveness along with the mercy of God. And in Amos chapter 8 and verse 14, it is the propitiation for sin that was supposedly granted to Samaria by their gods. And so we see this idea of propitiation and mercy and atonement all through Scripture. A careful search will also reveal that it's hard to think about propitiation apart from the blood of Jesus. Uh, for example, we'll begin looking at Romans chapter 3 and verse 25. I want you to notice it uh, before we get to um, Luke chapter 6. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 25, the Bible says this, "...whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith." And listen to this, "...to demonstrate His righteousness because His forbearance..." In His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Through Jesus Christ, through our faith in Him, we have amends. We, he has appeased God, His wrath, because of our sins. To demonstrate God's righteousness. Now I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 6. As we see in this passage, maybe there have been times you've heard people teach or preach about uh, our giving to God only that in return God gives back to us. And we'll see here, the Scripture says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now just think about that word picture. God returns to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But let's wait a minute. Let's, let's look at this context. Luke chapter 6 beginning in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not... Withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Sounds like Matthew seven twelve. Uh, but if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love you. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind and thankful, uh, kind to the th unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. There's that word again. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you are forgiven." 
Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And a lot of times that passage of Scripture there, especially that last verse, is used to think about when we give, God gives back in return. But if you look in that context, you will see that this passage is surrounded by a series of verses teaching us to love and be merciful to those that hurt us. So rather than be talking about giving, Jesus is to talk about for giving. And He places that verse right there in the middle. That's powerful, isn't it? That means that according to the context of this verse, if we are merciful to others, God is going to be merciful to us, right? Remember what Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the merciful. You're going to be blessed. If you're merciful, you're going to be blessed. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If we want to receive mercy from God through Jesus Christ, then we also have to be merciful. Now, turn to your Bibles, if you will, and let's compare this to what the, the Bible says in the book of James. James chapter 2. James chapter 2, look at verses 8 through 13. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture... You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak... And so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So if we want to look at the world and say, man, look at all those sinners. And we don't want to show mercy as God has shown mercy through Jesus Christ. So speak and so do, he says, as those who would be judged by the law of liberty. Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. I don't know about you, but when I stand before God in judgment, I need some mercy. And Jesus says, if you want to receive mercy, then you must also show mercy. Turn over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, look at verses 13 and following. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Even the demons realize this is what he's saying. 
For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Here it is. Full of mercy. Full of mercy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Do we want to receive that mercy from God? Then we have to be merciful ourselves. I want to make sure Jesus is making amends for me. Turn back to the book of Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and then we'll hit Hebrews chapter 9. Romans chapter 3. The first time in the English translation of the Bible that this word propitiation comes up is right here in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 25. Notice what he says beginning in verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, an atonement, redemption, mercy, through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, there's, notice these three things that are connect, directly connected with Romans chapter 3. We see the connection of our transgression. Our transgression, that's our sins. The sins that call for the mercy of God. We also see our justification. Uh, that peace uh, that is of being, and I like this, notice on the screen, just if I had never sinned before God. And then we see our redemption. Uh, the ransom that was paid when the mercy and love of God sent Christ to the cross uh, on my behalf to make amends and appeasement for the sins of mankind to all those who would come to Him in faith and obedience through the blood of Jesus Christ. So figuratively speaking, someone might say, Jesus' red blood makes me white as snow. Isn't that awesome? You think about blood. You drop that on your carpet and it's going to stain. You get it on your clothes, it's going to stain. But Jesus' blood, like that blood, is equal to our sins. Jesus' blood makes that white and washes that away. There's one thing we mentioned this morning in our Bible class as we were looking at the book of Revelation. That I was talking to someone on Saturday as we were making those meals. Did you know when we are laid out in the casket, as we, if we had the opportunity to review our lives, the, all the things that we thought were so important, 
At that moment, guess what? Many of those no longer are important. They're not important. Jesus' red blood makes me white as snow. And then finally this evening, I want us to look at the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. There's an amazing connection here in Hebrews chapter 9, or all the book of Hebrews, of the things in the Old Testament connecting to things in the New Testament, especially with the idea of the, the term propitiation or atonement. And uh, there's two parts in uh, Hebrews chapter 9, and, and uh, in the next few minutes I want us to just read through uh, these parts. First of all, we see this illustration found in verses 1 through 10. Notice what he says in Hebrews chapter 9. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service, and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part, in which was the lampstand and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, you remember, that holy of holies, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all. That's where in the Old Testament the presence of God dwelt among the people which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant, which had the mercy seat, overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot uh, that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablet, uh, tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Same word as propitiation. Of these things we cannot uh, now speak in detail. You know about these things, Hebrew people. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. But into the second part, the holiest of all, the high priest went alone once a year. Here comes that word again. Not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sin committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiness of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. And so Jesus said on the Day of Atonement, or, or the Hebrew writer, on the Day of Atonement, just like in the Old Testament, you know, you've been told this story, that Day of Atonement, the day that your sins are going to be atoned for, a very similar word to propitiation and mercy. On the mercy seat of God, they will sprinkle that blood on that mercy seat of God. He said that's symbolic. That word symbolic is translated as a parable or an illustration. It's an illustration of what Jesus' blood does for us today. What the Old Testament high priest did with the blood on the Day of Atonement is an illustration of what Jesus' blood does for us today.
makes atonement, makes propitiation, appeases the anger of God toward my sins. I need that. We all need that. And then the second term that is associated with this part is the idea of reformation. Uh, Now, he uses that word in uh, verse 10, and it's referencing to the mending of something that was broken. Evidently, the old didn't work. It was broken. And so there needed to be a reformation, a mending of what was broken to something new. Notice what he says, verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but of His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption for the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, whom through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may may receive the promise of of the eternal inheritance. In this context, there were some things that were broken. And the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can repair it. That was the message to those Hebrew people. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can reform, mend, and repair that which was broken, that which was done back in the Old Testament. In this context... Uh, This presents Jesus as the key to three things. Our redemption. Do you want to be bought back to God? It only happens through Jesus Christ. Do you want to be forgiven? The word is remission in the book of Acts. Also in chapter 10, also uh, uh, in, uh, in Hebrews 9 and other places. Remission of sins, forgiveness of sins, only in Jesus Christ. And also, Jesus makes intercession with God. Jesus is our mediator. Jesus is our mediator. I need Him. All those who sin need Him. If you have a songbook, I want you to turn to song number 902. And don't worry, I'm not going to lead it. Although this is a song that I, I, I can start at least. Number 902. You'll notice there at the top, they put a verse, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. He does not enter with blood of goats, but with the blood 
of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, For my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Naught of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now I want you to I want I want you to give some feedback here. And we'll notice this on the screen, brother brother Eddie. I'm gonna ask a question, and this is what I want you to say. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Are you ready? Here we go. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Thank God. We've been justified freely by His grace through through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as the propitiation by His blood through faith. Tonight, have you been merciful? The Bible says if we want to receive mercy, we have to be merciful. Jesus Christ came in this world to give us an example to follow. To go to that cross to be our propitiation. To make amends to appease the wrath of God because of sin. You ever listen to that song, In Christ Alone? In Christ Alone, that song says, Christ, His blood, His sacrifice, the Lamb of God, is the only thing that can appease the wrath of God. And I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. In Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you've not given your life to Jesus through faith and obedience, and in, in Scripture the Bible talks about being buried with Christ in baptism uh, to signify I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I am saying just like a, a, a couple stands before a group of people, listen, I'm dedicating my life to this person. I'm giving my life to this person. And when we go down that watery grave of baptism, we're signifying I'm giving my life to Jesus Have you done that tonight? It's our prayer that you will. That you will be convicted by God's Word. That you will give your life to Him. Maybe it is you're here tonight. And for whatever reason, you have a lot of things going on in your life. In just a minute, after our closing song, I just want to go ahead and tell you, we're going to offer a prayer specifically for our friends from Team Challenge because of going through the things that they're going through and give them strength and as they deal with those things and also as they go through this week and also ourselves as we go through this week and being thankful. So, But if you have, you have need of other things that are going on in your life. Maybe maybe Satan has piled some things in your life and, and these burdens are too heavy for you to carry. What better time than with the church to say, I need prayers. I need help. If we can help you anyway tonight, we ask that you will come together. Uh, come forward and let us assist you any way we can. As together we stand and sing. Alas, and did my Savior bleed. And did my
sovereign died, would he devote that sacred head for such a one as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sign, and now I am happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sign, and now I am happy all the day. I can go and be seated. God is so good.